Welcome to Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports, episode 114. Welcome to Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports with your host, Rob Elwood. Join us as we open the door and take an unforgettable journey to unlock the full power of sports on and off the field. Listen to personal stories and reflections from incredible leaders who are sure to move and inspire you. So listen and enjoy another episode of Who Are You? The Life Lessons of Sports. I have a tremendous amount of respect for the role they for the role they play because obviously they don't do it for the money. They do it because they really love what they do and they really feel they have something something to share and something important to say to help to help a kid in their life. Like I said, I'm a big stickler with, you know, because very, very, very few actually go on to make a, to become professional athletes and they make a living playing sports. So the message is applicable to life as well. And that's the important, that's the important message. That's why it's important. That's why it's really important for kids to play sports. Okay, Who Are You Nation, I am extremely honored to introduce our special guest today, Paul Dobbs. Paul, are you ready to put your game face on and join our team? I certainly am. Let's get started. Paul, please take a moment, introduce yourself, and let Who Are You Nation know what you're up to these days. Well, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I'm Paul Dobbs. I have a website. It's called iCoachConnect.com. And what we do is we uh, help coaches find jobs and help schools hire coaches for the um, for the betterment of the student athletes. We want to our, our goal is to get the right coach in the right situation so he can be a uh, a mentor, a, a friend, a teacher, and a uh, obviously a coach to our our student athletes who are basically the future of our nation. So that's kind of in a nutshell. Yeah, but. Um, I'm 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 very passionate about what I do. I think there's a, uh, it's a, I, I I think that coaches are the most important part of the whole sports um, uh, sports paradigm. I think they're uh, and they're, and unfortunately they're the most expendable. So um, I really feel it's important to have coaches to help the coaches find the right job and this, and help the schools find the right coach. So uh, everyone benefits. Well, fantastic. Someone's got to do it, and there might be programs out there, but I personally have heard a lot of great things about iCoach Connect long before you and I have connected, and I know that great things have come out of your program, your website, and everything that, as you mentioned, you're passionate about, and it takes passion. It takes a lot of passion because I'm sure it's not been an easy road from day one to build up a business where you have to be communicating and working with personalities and other people. It's not. It's just human human nature. <laughs> Well, it, the, 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 the difficulty comes in fact, no one is doing what we're doing. I mean, the way coaches find jobs now is they, um, they go to job boards or they go to conventions or they hear word of mouth that there's a job opening. And uh, to me, an important role like what the coaches do, the way they find jobs now is, is, is prehistoric. Yeah. So what we wanted to do is create a website and create more, more importantly, create a portal where coaches can go to, they can post their profile, they can uh, search for jobs, and just by one click of a button, they can they can apply for as many jobs as, as they want. So, um, you know, coaches just don't have they don't have the time to search for jobs because they're just too busy coaching. So we wanted to we wanted just to do it all for them, 
and it's been it's like it's like turning a battleship in the middle of an ocean it's just it's a long slow process because we're we're doing something that's really never been done before so slowly but surely we're starting to get awareness and coaches are starting to shine up and schools are starting to post their jobs and we're moving forward slowly but um progressively well, I appreciate what you're doing. We've had a lot of coaches on the show, a lot of athletes, a lot of entrepreneurs, but it all comes down to the coaches, right? And making the decisions to putting yourself in the right position with the right coach. And that's from an athlete perspective, which means that obviously it's got to work at the school level and the level with the, the coach. So by doing so, and you're right, coaches are really busy. Any good coach is constantly learning, constantly working after time, over time with their kids and making sure that they have the best possible opportunity they have to succeed mentally and physically. And uh, a service like this could really help them out, especially if there's an opportunity out there that's waiting for them. So I really congratulate you on this and looking forward to diving a little bit deeper. Well, thank you. Thank you. You know, when you, when you see these interviews with, with, professional, with professional athletes and all athletes, they always, not always, but more than likely, they always point back to some coach in their life who helped them change their life around. If it wasn't for my high school football coach, it wasn't for my high school baseball coach, it wasn't for my community college coach, I would have never been, I would have never accomplished what I've already accomplished. And that's what we're trying to build on. Well, that kind of that 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 kind of that kind of camaraderie that um, that is so evident in sports. So yep. that's what we're trying to build on. Well, I can validate that with a very good example. We've had Jonathan Ogden on this show before. He was just recently inducted into the 2013 Hall of Fame, as most of you may know, and if not, one of the greatest players to ever play on the offensive line uh, to, to play in the NFL. And he said, listen, he had a lot of great coaches, and I'm sure he has no ill will towards any of them, but he did point out the number one coach was his first high school coach that, that really laid the groundwork and, and really gave him the motivation to, to keep going, and, and then, then it all sort of uh, goes from there and the process begins. So you're so right. So important and you're so right. But we're going to get this interview going here so we can get a little deeper on all this. And Paul, I always like to start off our interview with a, a quote to officially put your game face on a quote that's meant something to you, motivational or inspirational, and how it's applied to your journey so far in life. You know, <laughs> it's a really interesting question because I gave it a lot of thought. Um, most of the quotes that I hold dear to myself and dear to my life, I I can't really credit to one person. Like, I, I, I'm, I'm a history buff. I love history. And the Greek philosophy, the Greeks always believed in nothing in excess, everything in moderation. And I thought that was really, really an, an, an important, you know, something to really live by and, and, under, and understand. You never want to, you always, whatever it is, you always want to do things in moderation. You don't want to, you don't want to, you don't want to have any excess. But I, I heard an interesting quote a couple of a couple of months ago that um, um, that I heard on e, on ESPN and it had to do I think it has to do primarily with guys and I forget who the announcer I think it was Colin Cowherd I'm not sure but what he said was it's not a matter of being right as it is getting it right and guys are always consumed with being right and they and they and they and they miss the point of like getting it right. And I thought that was really, and, 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 and that has to do with me particularly. And um, that quote really kind of stuck with me. And I, I, if there's one quote that uh, I really respect and I hold dear, it's, it's that one. Because I'm always, I'm always like, I'm right. Well, you're not right, man. Right. Get it right. 
don't be right, get it right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think that's very applicable to sports also. Very much so. so. If, that, <laughs> if, if that makes any sense. Sure. Well, from, from the, the, the Greeks to ESPN, we've covered a lot of history right there. <laughs> but and, and, the Greeks were great, and the Greeks were great athletes of, also. Of so. course they were. Of course they were. It all, it all, it all fits in. I, I don't want to see uh, any of those old-timer uh, Greeks come into our professional leagues these days. They'd probably take over. No, but in all, in all seriousness, uh, two great quotes in, in mod- moderation, of course, is so important. Not only just in, in our general lives, but if you're an athlete, uh, if you're doing anything that, let's say, even in business where you're pouring all your energy and time into it, it's extremely important to just know when to say when, whether it's for the night, the week, the season, and just take a little break. And we talk a lot about making sure that you take care of yourself first. And so that, of course, when we're speaking about the quote you mentioned, it can go in a lot of different angles. But I, I really like that in, in a lot of different ways, especially these days when folks can get uh, overworked, uh, both in athletics and in the business world. And then your ESPN quote, uh, I mean, that's it's fantastic because to me – it, it says, you know, let's not be self-centered with what we, what I think is right. Like you said, let's be other-centered and get it right for everyone, right? And exactly. That's, exactly. It's huge. Exactly. It's huge because uh, it doesn't really matter what you think is right. <laughs> no, it doesn't matter because you get hung up in your own ego, which everyone has. Yep. But um, someone with a secure ego can get beyond that and go, well, let me hear what these other guys have to say. Maybe their opinion, maybe what they have to say is 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 better suited for the situation than what I'm thinking. Right. So 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 important. And you said, especially in sports, you got referees, you have other teams, you have factors that are beyond your control. It doesn't matter what you think is right. You, you got to work with everybody involved, even if they're not on their same team, to uh, to make sure that you can get the the best out of the outcome you desire. So I think it's a it's great, about, great quote. Yeah, it's all about just and in, and in sports. It's all about winning, yep. you know, and that's the goal. That's that's the focus. Yep. So focus on winning, yep. not getting it right. Let's, let's focus on winning. Exactly. And, that, and, and and if you focus on winning, you know, everything else falls into place. And winning has so many different definitions, and we're gonna I'm gonna pick your brain on those in a little bit here. So that's Uh-oh. that's good stuff. Uh-oh. So Paul, before we move forward, I gotta now bring you back a little bit to your childhood days. I like to ask our guests what it was like when they were about 12 years old at home, school, and then also just running around the neighborhood, uh, playing sports, doing whatever 12-year-olds do. Can you paint that picture so we can get to know you a little bit better? Well, uh, you know, I had I grew up in the North Bronx, about five blocks north of Yankee Stadium in uh, in New York City. And I can honestly say I had a great, great, great childhood. It was just a lot of fun. New York City was our was our playground. And I lived in a very, you know, a, a, a culturally diverse neighborhood. You know, there were Puerto Ricans, there were Jews, there were Italians, there were Irish, there were all kinds of ethnic groups. And what was interesting is that, you know, we all kind of, we all kind of played together and hung out together. It was just, it was just a lot, a lot, a lot of fun, you know, hanging out in the schoolyard and playing basketball and playing stickball and against the wall and playing, um, played softball and, you know, on, on concrete. Uh, in the lot, in the dirt. You know, I didn't see I didn't see a net on a basket till I <laughs> my parents moved to the suburbs. It was kind of, it was kind of odd. But we would take the train downtown and hang out in Times Square, and it was just it was it was really 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 a lot of a lot of fun growing up uh, growing up in the city. Um, you know, it's, it's changed it's changed dramatically over the years, but um, it was 
it was it was really a, a a lot of a lot of fun growing up in New, in New York City. Yeah, I can tell, <laughs> and he's especially within five blocks of one of the most famous stadiums uh, in the planet, and just that there's an energy about that as well that I'm sure carried on to uh, a few mile radius, and you were in that radius, which is pretty neat, and opens up that creativity and that drive to just go outside and play and and sort of be a part you, of I it. Get, I get, I gotta tell you a funny story because in the summertime, and I wasn't a Yankee fan. I was a, I was a. I'm dating myself here. I was a Giants fan who played in the Polo Grounds ah. and since became a Mets fan. But what was what was really fun about uh, growing up in the city and hanging out, going down to Yankee Stadium. There was a big McCombs Dam Park we used to play in, and there was the public uh, pools and everything. But what was really cool about it is that we would go down, you know, a, you know, a, a, a midday game, and. Um, the bleacher section, there was a big garage door that would open up, and the police would, uh, you know, would be guarding that, guarding that gate, and we would be standing around, you know, in, in front of the gate, and we made eye contact with the cops, and the cops would kind of just smirk and turn their back, <laughs> and we'd all just run in and see the game. We'd all just sneak in, and the cops were so cool. They were just so cool. They knew who we were. They probably did it themselves. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. You know? It was just it was just a lot of fun, and it was safe. Yeah, you know there was really no there was. I mean, I used to leave on a Saturday morning. I used to leave like when eight o'clock in the morning. I'd be gone and wouldn't come back till the sun came down. And it was cool. It was fine because the neighborhood was like a big extended family. You know, uh, my parents knew all the other parents, and everyone kind of looked out for each other. Yeah. No. So it was it was really a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful life growing up. It really sounds it. And of course, the question is asked because it lays the foundation for the rest of your journey. And gosh, you can bring me right back to those moments because, listen, uh, I can picture completely the cops just, yeah, come on, kids, get in there, right? Go cheer on the and, home team. <laughs> and they, they would just, and they would be laughing. They'd just like turn their backs like they didn't see anything going on. And that was our cue to run in. Yep, exactly, exactly. And no. we just run in. And it was, it's so exciting. You're on the baseball field. And it was just a lot, a lot, a lot of fun. A lot, a lot, a lot of joy. And, and it, it brings a lot of warm memories back to me also. And I don't know what it's like to this very day, but even Fenway Park, where I had a lot more experience of, of heading into games, it's sort of the same way, right? You have all these kids that are around, and then one of those things where the usher or the, the, the ticket taker be like, yeah, just, get, just get in there, kid. Let's go, let's go, you know? <laughs> no, it's really neat. And we would, we would sneak down to the box seats, and no one would care. You know, no one would care. Everyone was just... Nice. It was part of the strategy, right, Paul? I mean, that was part of the fun. It was a game within the game. How close could you get? <laughs> exactly, exactly. And sometimes we'd go really early and go to batting practice and, you know, and um, get some balls that are uh, you know, hit into the stands, which was a lot of fun also. Well, looking back on that time, when do you remember your first job and what was it and what did you learn from it? <laughs> you know, we didn't have a lot of money, our family. I mean, I wasn't in want of anything. I mean, you know. I didn't know I didn't I didn't know what I didn't have, but I knew my family. Uh, my father worked in the post office. My mother was a homemaker, so we didn't have a lot. So I was always, you know, had some kind of a job. Um, I, I worked for the uh, the the candy store. would uh, would have me deliver some cigarettes to some of their customers. And not a, not a big deal. Um, so I, I I since I was thirteen, I always had a job. I always worked. I always had my own money. I always had cash in my pocket. 
So whatever job that was available. Uh, but my first job was probably when I was when I was 15. I was working as a a busboy in an Orthodox Jewish hotel, which <laughs> which which was a lot of which was a lot of fun too. And um, you know, picking up, uh, serving uh, 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 water and getting bread and getting uh, butter and uh, cleaning off the tables and cleaning off the uh, the dishes and all that kind of that was a lot of fun. And I spent a lot of, all through school. I, I eventually stayed there and became a waiter and a bartender and working all the affairs there. So that was that was a lot a lot of that was that was. That was a, a lot of fun and, and and made some decent money because we only worked on the weekends. So I was making, well, back then I was making a couple of hundred dollars a week just working on the weekends. But it was it was a long weekend. It was like from Friday afternoon until Sunday night. So we put a lot of hours in. Bill. So I always worked. I always had my own money. Yeah. So um, that was my first job. And then after you know, after college, I went another route. Mm-hmm. And that's going to be a great segue into our next question. But thinking back to always having money, I can hear the pride in your voice, in fact. And it's nice to, to be able to go out there and do something. What did you learn? What did you learn as you look back on those days, especially now? And you're not in the moment, and it's kind of, hey, work, money, work, money. But what did you, What were those intangibles? I'll tell you, interesting question. Um, uh, it, 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 it gave you independence. There you go. You weren't dependent upon anyone else. You, you It gave you a responsibility that... I don't need to depend on anyone else. I can I can make it myself. Yep. I can make my own money. I can manage my money, and it gave you a tremendous amount of pride and respect to know that, you know, I didn't have to take I didn't have to take money from my parents. I didn't have to take money from anybody. If I wanted to go to the movies, if I wanted to buy a magazine, if I wanted to go to the candy store. I had my own money. Yep. I've always prided myself on that. I I think the fact of making your own money um, gives you a tremendous amount of independence. And self-respect and esteem, because I don't have to depend on anyone else. I can I can manage myself, and that was the biggest lesson I learned from 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 working uh, on it at an at an early age. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was looking for in an answer, and not to prompt you, but that is great. Independence so big at that age, and and as you go further into your life, um, you just build upon that foundation. So very neat. Now, you just brought up uh, that you went a different route after college, of course, but 25 years in sports marketing experience, I guess the question for you here is, when did it all click for you that you knew sports was going to be a part of your life moving forward, and it was going to be your uh, your income as well, something you dedicated your profession to? Well, I always I always loved sports. I mean, I played I played in high school. I went to Hunter College in New York City. I played there, but it was kind of an NAIA kind of league, and it was it was, it was more like club club teams and everything. But I always loved sports, and I'm a diehard Knicks, Mets, and Jets fan in particular. Mm-hmm. So after I graduated from from Hunter College, I took a job in the mailroom at uh, the broadcast center in CBS West 57th Street. My plan was to get into the sports division. But unfortunately, they were only hiring women and minorities. And uh, I told them I, I qualify because I'm left-handed. We were the most discriminated against minority in the world. <laughs> <laughs> well, it didn't work. Yeah. You know? They didn't buy it. So I took another way. I got a job in the advertising promotion and marketing department, and it worked out great because I was working for the network and responsible for marketing all the network programs 
including all the sports programs, and I got to know all the guys in the sports department. So I was invited as a guest to all the major sports events over CBS. And I've, I've been to pretty much every major event um, that's best broadcast except the World Cup. I've never been to a World Cup, but I've been to everything else. I worked um, for the uh, United the, the, uh, the Los Angeles Olympic Organizing Committee. I think that was '84, and that was a, that was a wonderful experience yep. uh, because I was transferred uh, when I was working for CBS. I was transferred out to Los Angeles, which was which was really exciting, and worked in Hollywood there. And then I was hired by NBC in the same capacity. And in '91, I moved to San Diego to head up a new sports. Listen to this: a new sports shopping channel called Merchandise Entertainment Television. Wow! And uh, they went out of business three years later. <laughs> it was just—it um, was kind of an interesting concept. They wanted to create a shopping channel for guys yeah. uh, okay. with with sports programming, but. You know, they really couldn't afford any quality sports programming. We used to broadcast. Remember the Continental Basketball Association, the CBA? Oh, yeah, we used, of course. We used, to, we used to broadcast CBA games and double-A baseball, and there wasn't, much of a, there wasn't much of a market for that at that time. And after that, when they, when they went out of business three years later, I did a lot of freelance local sports marketing, and um, then I started, I coach iCoach Connect was originally called iCoach USA. Okay. And the reason I started iCoach I Coach USA is because speaking to various coaches, I realized that there was the way they were finding jobs was prehistoric. And I wanted to create a website where we can, we can help coaches find jobs and give them the opportunity to expand, expand their career. So, uh, and then just recently, we changed the name when we were getting coaches from all around the world signing up. So it started, it, it started simply as a way for us to help coaches find jobs, but it has evolved into something much, much, much more, which, is, which, 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 which I'm extremely proud and excited about. Uh, you know, as you know, I mean, you're in sports all the time. Coaches love what they do, yep. and, they don't, and they don't do it for the money. Yep. They do it for the love of the game and the message the game teaches, which is teamwork, accountability, honesty, self-esteem, integrity, God, family, and country. And that all has a positive effect on the kids. Mm -hmm. These are life lessons that apply on the field as well as off the field. Yep. And all of the qualities that made our nation great, and I don't mean to be altruistic or corny, I really don't, but these are all the qualities that made our nation great. And unfortunately, these are all the qualities that are missing in our public school system. Mm. Yeah, it's true. I said it. Mm -hmm. The progressives have hijacked our public school system, and the results are just tragic. Mm -hmm. The quality of our educational system has diminished to the point where we are now ranked. We're ranked 39th globally in math and science scores. 39th. That means third world countries are ranked higher than us. Mm -hmm. The curriculum standards are compromised so more people can pass. This, did you know that 80% of New York City high school graduates are functionally illiterate. Mm. They lack basic skills like reading, writing, and math, and are required to relearn them before qualifying for community college. What? Mm. You can't reference God in school now because some people get offended. Right. My question is, who's getting offended? Our nation was built on Judeo-Christian law. Who's offended by that? Right. It's not politically correct to say Merry Christmas. Now it's Happy Holiday. 
well, what holiday is it? It's Christmas, right? So what's the problem? Right. You know, you know, there's a daycare center in my son's high school, a friggin' daycare center. So now it's the school's responsibility for students to have a place to drop off their kids while they're going to school. I mean, it's it's it's, it's madness. Yeah. That that's when I realized what I was doing with iCoach took on a new, more significant meaning than just helping coaches find jobs. Excuse me. I get a little, you know, passionate about this. It's okay. Parents have abdicated their responsibility to raise their kids on their own, replacing with a substandard public education system with no accountability that sanitizes patriotism, God, family, and country. So where are the kids getting the message about respect, honesty, self-esteem, integrity, and fair play? Where are they getting it? Mm-hmm. Some from clergy, most on the playing field from their coaches. So it's not a matter of helping coaches find jobs. It's a matter about helping coaches find jobs so they can continue to mentor our kids on how to be winners off the field as well as on the field. The, the, the important messages that made what we are great are being missed. And the only people who are passing that on is concerned parents and their coaches. Yep, yep. Well, if you think about it, Paul, I mean, what a child goes through, if you add up all the time that they spend at school with teachers and then all the time if they're athletes or whatever they're doing, in art, piano, music, whatever, uh, how much time they spend with those individual people. I mean, there is there. it's pretty equal in a way up to a certain point of if you're a, a ball player, you're spending two, three hours of focused time with your coach, a musician, the same bit. And so yeah. these coaches, as you know, I mean, as you know, as you mentioned, as we all know, have they have a responsibility and they live up to it uh, most of the time, of course. And I can't speak for everybody here. So it is so vital in anything that we can do, as you mentioned in the beginning, to make a process more simple so that they can focus on those you know, character-building traits and, and self-esteem and confidence. Everything we're talking about here is, is a good cause. And so, again, respect what you're doing, and I'm sure the coaches do as well because you're right. They, they are, they're a huge part. I mean, I could tell you a story after story after all the coaches I had growing up, and I pulled a little something out of all of them, and even in the show today, I, I speak some of their, their, uh, their language, so to say. So it's, uh, it's, I definitely understand where you're coming from. And, and you know, it's, and, and there, I didn't have a coach until I got into high school. And just played freelance ball, but now they're, they're, the coaches are down to you know the eight nine year old level, yeah. which is which I which I think which I think which I think is 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 an advantage because they're getting those lessons early, yep. you know, and, and those and those lessons are important. They really are important yep. because they they all, all the coaches that I come in contact with they all focus on character. Totally, completely, it's and all what, what's and sorry, what, what, what I was going to say was interesting too is that if you look back uh, two decades ago, uh, there are a lot more coaching positions out there now just because of that, because there are these youth teams. And I, listen, I know a lot of people donate their time out there, and dads and parents, and even just uh, others that just want to give back and aren't looking to be compensated at all. But it is a job, and and some some people, if not most, are getting paid to spend this time with these teams at that level. And uh, there's just a lot more openings. So again, this comes back to your site, making sure that we have all the tools to find the right position for both organization, which is the school, and coach. So, what we're trying to do, I mean, this is kind of phase one of what, we're, what I'm doing with iCoach Connect. The first thing and the most important thing to coaches is finding a job. The second thing is to provide them with those tools 
to in those tools and and, um, and 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 seminars and and clinics to help them become a better coach. So once they have the job, we want to also provide them with the tools and the education to become even better coaches. Mm-hmm. So that's where that that's the direction that I'm taking I coach in. Yep. Fantastic. Well, moving on here, we're going to switch topics to choices. As you know, Paul, every day we have choices, some of them challenging, and and we know that also these choices make up the foundation of who we are as a person. So if you don't mind, could you share a story with us when you made a choice, maybe difficult or or risky at the time, and what the ultimate outcome of that choice was? Uh, Choice, constantly choices. I mean, I wish. I mean, I mean, everyone can say this also. I wish that I knew that I. I wish I knew now. What I wish I knew then. What I know now. Yep. You know, everyone makes make these makes these kind of choices. Um, I had uh, opportunities, not not even sports related opportunities in my life to take. See, my problem is I always played it safe, and I never I never took I never took a real risk till I started I Coach Connect. You know, and I guess when you take a risk, you have to be passionate about what you're doing. And I, um, I, I, I started this um, like 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 six like six years ago, and um, I turned down other opportunities to do what I'm doing, and I and I still struggle because it's not where I want it to be. So um, that I'm roundabout kind of way, I took a risk in starting this, and now it's starting, and I was starting to pay off. I turned down other opportunities and other jobs. And uh, other other chances, you know, because I wanted to do, I wanted to, I wanted to do what I'm doing now. Mm-hmm. If that makes any sense, it makes a lot of sense. There's a lot of people out there right now that either have a vision, an idea, something they want to do. But honestly, that is, and I say this politely because I've been there too. It's nothing until it's uh, actually in execution stage. So the fact that you did take a risk and, and went right into it is very important and got over that, as we like to call that, that, that fear, that line there, that there's a little bit of fear, there's a little bit of intimidation of, I don't know, the unknown. But uh, hey, listen, it's a short ride here on earth and might as well uh, go out there, especially if you believe and you do, I can hear your passion. And this is a message to all of our listeners out there, if you have that passion, I just, we just, I personally encourage you, and I know Paul, you probably back it up. It's got to make sense. You got to do some research. You got to make sure you're okay with it. But uh, step I always, over that I one. always knew, you know, we always, we, I always knew that the service we provided was something that was needed. You know, the problem comes in is, you know, making it happen and getting the right people involved and, and capitalization and, and funding and. And getting this to the right level, and 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 it just, this goes back to the point of um, um, it's more it's more important to get it right than be right. Things opportunities present themselves, uh, circumstances change. You know, I'm still not we're 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 still evolving in what we want to be. Our core focus is helping coaches find jobs. But other opportunities present themselves, and you have to be open to that. You can't be closed-minded. You have to be open to and be aware of opportunities that present themselves, and be smart enough to jump into it. Case in point, you calling me to uh, to do this interview. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a tremendous opportunity for me to, uh, you know, tell people about what I'm doing and tell them about who about who I am. Mm-hmm. And you know, you can't let your you can't let your ego get in the way. You have to kind of put that on the back burner and really focus on the product. 
And when you focus on the product and put together a product that people want without focusing on... See, what, I, what I've learned also is that don't focus on the money. Focus on providing the best service and the best product you possibly can, and the money will follow. Mm. You can't focus on the money all the time yep. because money is not the end-all, be-all. It doesn't work like that. It's just some mysterious circumstance, whatever, is that always focus on doing the best you can and providing, doing the best job you can and providing the, the best service and product you can, and the rest just follows. In my experiences, you know, I'm not, I haven't been a long-time coach as the coaches that are on your website. Of course, I've worked with youth sports and had my own taste and, and have been very proud of it. But as you said, focusing on the money is is setting a goal that may take us in the wrong direction. When I, we talk about core values or setting expectations or what's your mission statement, sure, some of these uh, words and challenges in a company, when you face sit down and say, hey, what are all these things going to be? They seem a little outdated, but at the same time, they're not. And I think back to some experiences. I've been down to lucky to be down at Disney. There's something called the Disney Institute down there, and they talk about this. They talk about this. So this is one of the most successful companies in the world, one of the most customer friendly and they have last on every single diagram they have basically money or financial income is the last thing and look let's not let's not get it wrong here they're a for-profit company on listed on the stock market and of course that's what it is the bottom line is money but that's not their focus their focus is on preparation their focus is on processes their focus is on customer service and making sure that the training and the hiring the sourcing and all those things that go into character go into an experience that provides value that then spits out the dollars because you know, exactly. focusing on the dollars and starting that way, it's it's over before it even began. Well, that comes that that yeah, exactly. And unfortunately, you know as well as I do, that's pretty much it's pretty much the message that we're bombarded with all the time. It's all about it's all about the money, yep. and it's not. It re- it really isn't. Right. And it, it 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 just isn't. And it's something that we all have to learn by ourselves because when you're young. All we think about is bling and cars and material things, and it's it's not that's not that's not the way it is. Yeah, and you know, people are looking to have money. Money's going to make you happy, and then when you get the money, you're not happy. So where are you? Right, right. And this is the part I love the most is it's such a great parallelism to sports because if you if you're out there, look, you said it before, and I agree with you. We want to win. That's that's what we're out there to do to be competitive, but. If you can't just go out there and say, that's all we're going to do is we're going to win. We're going to win. Come on, we have to win. Well, you're putting a lot of pressure on, well, where's the substance behind that? Where's the foundation? And we see that all the time. You don't think uh, all these NFL teams, these professional teams that we see every single day in the United States that want to, of course they want to win. They're professional athletes. They're paying a lot of money, yet some teams, I'm not going to name any of them, this just consistently underperform and where does it all start and, and why? And so I doubt, I doubt, and I'm not going to, I have no insight on this, but I doubt that the, especially at the time of this interview and NFL playoffs and you have some of the teams that are left over here, you're, you're speaking about owners and general managers and coaches that are constantly, just like a Phil Jackson, constantly preaching about how are we going to maximize our talent, uh, our personalities, our core values to put a product out there that we know, just like as John Wooden used to say as well, that we know at the end will have results that will most of the time be in our favor. And that's all you can ask. 
I mean, exactly. Tom Tom Brady and Bill Belichick would run through walls to win a Super Bowl. I know that, but I also know that they are doing a thousand things behind the scenes to do that, and that could be from going to charity events to being a good person at home to uh, studying something they never studied before because of an opponent that has a new defense or offense. Just as a crazy example here. So anyway, we're aligned there, and it's true. You know, you everywhere. know, you know, Rob. It's a matter of winning. Winning, winning is, is a very subjective statement. Of course, you all, we all want to win, but winning and it, it, on, on the field and off the field, winning means doing everything you can at that particular moment, knowing that what you couldn't you couldn't do one more thing in that ge- in that game, you're a winner. If you put everything into whatever you're doing, you put all your energy and all your focus into. Whatever it is you're doing at that particular time, you're a winner. Yep. Because that's the secret to success. Focus and, and, and putting everything you can, your heart, your soul, everything into, into doing the, 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 the best job you possibly can, then you're a winner. Yep. I the, can... scoreboard, the, score, the scoreboard becomes almost irrelevant. No. Nope. Completely right. Sounds as though you really actually wrote our About Us section in the uh, website because we're perfectly aligned here. One of my closest friends who's been on the show, John McCarthy, uh, he has on the back of all of his T-shirts, he's a coach. He runs a lot of camps and clinics and after-school programs both here and around the world, actually, especially down in the Dominican. He's been over to Europe. And the T-shirt, on the back of his T-shirt, it says, um, talent is what you have effort is what you give. And he has borne an entire organization off this. And of course, most one of the most beloved coaches out there and has been on all sorts of TV shows. And that's not what matters. It, what matters is that he's teaching the right thing. He's going with the right attitude. And I, I he's always been a mentor to me. And I so much look up to that statement because he abides by that in every single decision he makes. There's been Major League Baseball players that have come out of his organization. There have been community leaders. There have been fantastic people doing wonderful things. And I truly believe it's because they believe in that statement and carry it forward. So again, we all want to win. It's just how are we going to get there? Now, my question then turns over to you is, you've seen a lot of coaches. I know you're in a role here where you're trying to connect, and of course you're not going out there shaking hands with every you know 50,000 plus coaches in your network, but is there a story you could share or simply break down in your opinion? What is, what is the ideal coach? And take high school, just as a regular old example. What is the role of that coach? And any stories that you could share with us also would be very helpful. Uh. God, you know, I can, I can, I can only relate to um, um, you know, some of the coaches, the coaches I've, I've met, and some of the coaches I've, uh, well, obviously, the coaches I've, I've, I've played for, and God, it's there, there are that's a that's a that's a that's a tough question, as a tough question to answer. Sure. I grew, I grew up. Uh, I remember, I remember, you know, the John Wooden era at, at UCLA. And living in living in New York, I became a UCLA fan because Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, who was then Lou Alcindor, you know, went out to play for uh, you know at Powell Memorial High School, went out to play for um, uh, for John Wood in UCLA. And I was always I was always I always respected and loved the fact that John Wooden he wasn't a screamer, he wasn't a yeller, a yeller. he commanded this respect. This quiet intensity that he had, that he de- he demanded he demanded respect, and he was so confident in what he did and what he knew that he wouldn't take he wouldn't take any crap from anyone. These are the rules. 
This is how we play. This is what we do. There's no yelling. There's no screaming. This is what we do, and this is how we win. And I was always, always, and I, I've, I've read his book, and I've, I've, I've spoken to Bill Walton, who's his, uh, who's his disciple, and I was always, to me, John Wooden was the most impressive coach that I've never met him, but of what I know about him and what I read about him, he was the most impressive coach that I ever that that that, that I ever I ever came in contact that I ever um, um, saw. Yeah, yeah, it's done, it's done with men. It's just that you don't have to yell and scream to get respect. No. You know, it's this quiet confidence that he had, and he passed that on to his team, and they played with a tremendous amount of confidence. They had the system, they had the program. And they just worked the system, and they always won. And God, were they successful? Yeah, they were incredibly successful. They sure were. And you know, it's a really great example. And something I'm thinking as you're saying that that uh, it's always hit me. Of course, John Wooden, and I've read his book and his quotes, and you hear from others. Recently, there's a Sports Illustrated article out right now about his relationship with Lou Alcindor back in the day uh, before he changed his name to Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and went on to a professional career. So that's really neat. I recommend all of our listeners to go check that out. Uh, but but also, <laughs> I always like to say that if you're if you're uh, and everybody has their own style, Paul. But if you're if you're yelling and and, and screaming and and doing some of the things that we prototypically think about the stereotype of uh, of uh, the stereotype of a coach let's put it that way and because that's what we see on TV you know I'm not saying it's everybody you just gave one example it's not but but how are we being aware of well at the same time I know we have talented coaches out there but sitting back and being quiet and watching first of all you're sending a message to your team that we don't need to panic nothing is wrong we we're prepared and the other thing is is that those coaches that sit there and are laid back in their uh, physically as they look. No, I know inside that's intense as all can be. They're learning. They're watching. They're taking it all in, and they're spending that energy that way. Listen, Paul, we only have so much energy in practice, at games, behind the scenes. So let's make sure it goes the right direction. So I absolutely love your answer right there. Absolutely love it. Good stuff. All coaches, you know, all, all coaches, coaches have all coaches have their own have their own style. I know me personally. I didn't respond to a coach like screaming at me. But um, you know, it, it it didn't it it didn't work for me. Uh, maybe it works for some other kids, but I've never seen a I've never seen a coach. Usually, when they scream and yell, it just maybe it's a matter of not being sure of what they're doing and and, and and being you know not being confident in their game plan or or, or whatever. The screaming and the yelling, you know, never really worked for me. I never really had a lot of respect for guys who scream and yell. Yep. I agree. I agree. And again, there's exceptions. Sometimes people respond to that. Yeah, but, there are there are exceptions because you know some of them do it for an effect, and some of them do it for you know their <laughs> it, it, it's showmanship or, or or whatever. Right. Right. But, um, you know, it all it all comes down to it all comes down to connecting with your players. If you have to, sometimes you have to you know yell and scream, but mostly it comes down to a healthy respect for what you do and what you know. Right. And healthy respect for your players. Yep, you're right. And again, it goes back to awareness because not to carry this on here, but the the coaches that are aware, they know the right time. And even if it's not showmanship, I think they they generally uh, those I've spoken with, they get upset. They they get upset to the point where it it, it most of the time it's in practice, right, or behind the scenes yeah. when they take somebody in and have a conversation and say, "You are better than this, right? It's upsetting me that you're better than this." And I want to you you we need to work on some of these things to get better. It's not. You know, yelling because you took the wrong shot, or you can't make a good pass, or all those fundamentals. It's it's more about the mental approach. So that's where I've seen it work the best. And again, you got to be aware for it to actually happen. So uh, yeah, yeah, great, I mean, great yeah. points all around. Yeah. 
Great point. Yeah, yeah. You know, sometimes it's, I see my I, I see uh, my my son plays uh, JV basketball out here, and I see sometimes they're comatose, and I say to the coach, "You got to you got to read the riot act to these kids. They got to wake them up because they're they're sleepwalking through this game. They got to yep. be woken up. Exactly. And sometimes, you know, <laughs> I, you know that's they they have to be woken up. Like, guys, guys, come on. You know, like I say, we're better than this. We can play better than this. So let's. Let's wake up and play right. Okay? Exactly, exactly. And those are also the coaches that about a couple hours after the game or the next day put your arm around you and say, hey, you did a great job out there. Way to adjust, way to make the adjustment. And they come back and they... You know, the role, the roles of the coach have changed so much over the years. You know, in, in a lot of instances, they're the only role model the kid has in their life, which is sad. You know, like I say, because parents are too busy or parents are not there. They, you know, and they, don't, they don't have any clergy. They don't have a role model in their life, you know, and they take and they take on that role of of uh, surrogate father, and uh, you know it, it's sad, but you know it's 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 not a role that they had, you know, 20 years ago, but it's a role that they that they have that they actually have to take on now. Besides dealing with uh, with, with everything else they have to deal with, right. so it's a. Uh, I have a tremendous amount of respect for the role they for the role they play because obviously they don't do it for the money. Yep. They do it because they really love what they do and they really feel they have something something to share and something important to say to help to help a kid in their life. Like I said, I'm a big stickler with you know because very 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 few actually go on to make a to become professional athletes and they make a living playing sports. So the message is applicable to life as well. Yep. and that's the important that's the important message that's why it's important that's why it's really important for kids to play sports they really need to play sports sure you know, well, they shouldn't they, they should always play sports I agree I agree I'm gonna share a quick story and I, I rarely share stories on the show Paul but I'm gonna, I, it's something that's coming to me as you're speaking right now that really taught me forgiveness is I actually remember my senior year in high school, I'm playing football. We have an excellent team. In fact, Jonathan Ogden is a member of that team, along with some other stars that were on the line that all went off to play Division One. We had a Division One basketball player. It was just a really nice, fun team. And we uh, started off the season playing the number one team in the country. Uh, in, in fact, or at least in the region, tends to be in the country. So we're in this game. Everybody's hyped up. We've been practicing for weeks, press, all that stuff. I mean, it never happens. We're a small school. I graduated from a, a class of 60. And so this wow. stuff never happens, right? And it's just a big game, 10,000, 10, 6,000 people, whatever it is. And in the first, maybe second quarter, uh, one of the other teams, star receivers, he's about six foot four, you know, ran about a four four, and I'm 5'10", I'm nothing. Uh, but uh, I'm covering this guy <laughs> in, in high school. That's quite a difference. It's not like the pros when you have a size difference. Uh, I'm definitely not as athletic as he is, so I have to use strategy. And, of course, what happens, to make a long story short, is he he somehow grab he's blocking somehow grabs my face mask and it's it's going on for in, in the in the moment for a long time so I swing my arm up to get his hand away from my face mask the ref sees it throws a flag and says you number twelve you're out of the game and I said out of the game for what and he said for throwing a punch so whatever that's the situation I can't reverse it I walk off the field my coach is going nuts and and listen he he definitely was a loud person. I wouldn't say he's screaming, but he was loud and he's going nuts and he's saying, you let down the team and all this stuff. And I was really embarrassed and, and it, it hurt. We went on to lose the game. And of course you feel a part of that if you're not in the game. I'll tell you this though, next day, show up at the field, there's a JV game going on. He comes over to me right away. First thing he did, gave me the biggest bear hug ever. 
almost with tears in his eyes, literally. And this is how passionate he was. And he said, Rob, I am so sorry. I watched the film. I made a judgment. You you didn't do anything. If not, it should have been the reverse. And I just want to I just want to apologize to you. And right there, Paul, I had so much respect for that man. I already had it, but it also taught me that you know, just be honest with people because he could have he could have swallowed his pride and walked away right there, right, and oh, not even cared. Cool. But he made a statement, and he made so publicly as well, and the team know. And I'll tell you, even to this day, I'm getting emotional about it because I'll never forget it. And it's all about that. That's what a good coach does. That's what that's an example I'll give. So anyway, that that's my point, and that's a life lesson that you are going to use. You're going to carry on to the rest of your life, and always we're all we're all we're you know we're all just human. We make mistakes all the time. And the, the important thing is to recognize that mistake, own that mistake, apologize sincerely, and move on. What more can you do? That's it. That's it. What yeah. more can you do? And those are, the, those are the lessons that you learn. I mean, you, have a, you learn that lesson from your coach playing sports, and that's a lesson that's going to stay with you the rest of your life. Yep. That's, my whole, that's, the whole, that's my whole point about coaches and sports. Yep, you're darn you know, right. It's darn really, right. really, really important for the fan to learn those lessons. It's the, it's the same coach, by the way. Three years earlier, I went into his office and I said, I don't like football and I want to quit. And he said, uh, no, you're going to play football and we'll see you out in the field. And that was it. So another life lesson, <laughs> just in an entirely exactly. different way. Exactly. But, uh, well, he wouldn't let you quit. No, you're not quitting. Yeah, it, was, it wasn't even a conversation. So uh, there's yeah. there's some people that might challenge that, but I that was me. See, that was my rhythm. Yeah. He knew my rhythm. That was exactly the right yeah. thing to say. And I will yeah. thank him forever for doing that because it was the right call. Exactly. That's, that's, that's my whole point about why I'm passionate about what I do. It's those kind of lessons that you learn, that you experience, that carry the rest of your life and make you a better person. Yep. So good. Well, we're going to keep moving here because I know you and I could probably spend all day talking about this. I, I really enjoy our conversation here. Let's talk for a second about the to-do list. It definitely has to do with sports, but just in general. We're, there's no easy answer here. I don't think there's a solution. You go to the bookstore or go on Amazon and there's a thousand books about this. But managing your daily life, Paul, you have a lot going on. Obviously, you're trying to grow your business. You have a business. You're, you're very knowledgeable. You love history. I'm sure you're doing a lot of reading. How do you manage your daily uh, responsibilities that to do list that never ends. <laughs> you know, you know, you know what? You know, it's, it's it's a very interesting question. You know, I've I've reduced my my life down. There's only two days in the week: today and tomorrow. That's it. You have whatever you don't finish today, you 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 put on to tomorrow. I have I have a list of things that I need to do every day, and I just go down the list. And whatever, whatever I don't finish in that list, I put in to the next day and the tomorrow. So I guess, this, I guess what I'm saying is you really got to be organized and write things down and go through your repetitions like a quarterback does when he goes back. He goes through his, 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 his repetitions. You go through your repetitions. I'm up at 6 o'clock in the morning. I check my email. I go through, go through my day. I answer a lot of emails. I, I, I get my schedule set for the day. There are things I have to do each day. I'm on, on, on LinkedIn, and I go through um, uh, my progressions of speaking to the programmers and getting jobs. It's just a matter of being organized, putting, setting priorities of what you do each day, and then just move on. Yeah. And try not to get too far behind and try to catch up because it's really easy to put something off and say, well, I'll do that tomorrow. Well, you know, 
tomorrow is still going to be there. Then you have all your list of things that you need to do tomorrow as well. So Accru- yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that's pretty much it. Similar to what you do. Yeah. Well, and then being, <laughs> and being, and then being able to adapt because you're always getting, you're always getting a curveball or some, or, 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 or some monkey wrench thrown into your plan. You got to be able to adjust and not lose your temper and not, not, not lose your cool and just, Deal with things in a sensible, logical way, logical way, and then move on. Yeah. Wow. So it sounds I guess like that, I guess that, it comes with age or whatever, or whatever. and uh, just be aware of what's going on each day, and you know, try to try to cut through what's what's not necessary, and uh, just move on. Yep. So, yep. Well, now, that, sounds... makes, that, that makes any sense, but that 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 that's what works for me. Well, I look into my day plan, and I got like, okay, I got my interview with Rob, and I got to, you know. I have uh, my programmer then, and I like I, got, I have a, I have a whole list of things I need to do besides, you know, being a husband and 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 being a dad. I got because my son's got a game tonight, so I got to figure out how I can. I gotta, we got to make time for the game, so I got to get all this done at this time, so I can go to the game at five thirty. Exactly. Exactly. Sounds a lot like uh, sports. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and yeah. Man- managing it's, yourself and uh, the experience from sports. And uh, so it sounds very It's just a microcosm of life. Sports is just a microcosm of life. It's the, it's the, same, it's the same dynamic. It's the same rules. It's the same rules that apply for success in sports as apply in life. It's the same. Only the, only the players change. Yep, yep. You're so right. But everything else, is, everything else is the same. Definitely. Well, we're heading you into lie. You can't lie, cheat, and steal and be successful on the field, and you can't lie, cheat, and steal and be successful in life. So true. Paul, we are heading into our last two sections of the show, the timeout as well as overtime. Starting with our timeout, we all know that timeouts tend to be called when we're trying to formulate a plan, strategize of what the next step's going to be, or simply to halt momentum and make a shift. I'm going to go with the last one. Do you have a story you could share where you took your own personal timeout, made a real-time adjustment, and reversed the situation? Yeah, just recently, absolutely. And this is, again, where, you know, being right is getting it right. Our site was a, um, was a fee service site where we would charge coaches a nominal fee of, of $10 a year for membership. And I'm realizing I'm not getting as many coaches signing up as I need to. And I'm thinking, and my partners and people in England were saying, "No, you should make it a you should make it a free site." And I said, "Well, that's my major source of revenue. I can't I can't make it a free site because I won't have any revenue coming in." But then I realized, saying, "You know, you know, Paul, you're you're being a hypocrite here. If you're really helping the coaches and know that the coaches don't make a lot of money, and this ten dollars really could make a difference in your life, you know, don't be a hypocrite. Make it free." And when I came to that realization, it was kind of a little scary because I got to look for some other revenue sources to come to come in. But I I did bite the bullet, and last month we made it a free site. And now coaches can come on and sign up and create a profile and, and apply for a job, and there's there's no fee involved at all. So I did a complete reverse, and it's still a little scary because now I have to look for other revenue sources to come in. But when when and I and I and I hate cliches. I hate that expression. When one door opens, another door closes. I mean, you know, yeah. It's you know, I I, I, I I hate cliches. But what I'm what what I what I mean by that is that every situation creates opportunity. There you go. So so now that I have 
10 times more coaches on the site looking for jobs makes me feel a hell of a lot better. Wow, I'm helping a lot more coaches than I did before. It also opens up an opportunity for other sponsors and other advertisers to get involved with me because now I have now my numbers have increased dramatically. Yep. Whereas they weren't before. Yep. So it creates another source of revenue, actually another couple of sources of revenue for me. Yeah. So I'm trying to I'm trying to pursue that. Yeah. No. Good so for that, you. That, that good for back you. to the place where you know it's not a matter of being right; it's a matter of getting it right. Yep. Definitely. Well, good for you. It's another risk. Going back to the risk question that you're taking, but yeah. and you, you're right. It's 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 a, just an easy way to say it, but it's it's all about the opportunities that are there. And listen, Paul, they are there. They're everywhere. It's just a matter of we're paying attention to them or not, and then seize them and take advantage of them. So that's all you're doing right now, from what I heard. And listen. Hey, sure, it's a risk, but I think it's an exciting one as well. Who knows what's going to happen from this? And uh, yeah, hey, the more people you're helping, the merrier. And I believe in karma. And it's going to come back around. And again, the, the future is a little bit brighter now because going back to your statement, it's not about the money. The money will come. Do the right thing. Stick to your core values. There we go. You know, we'll see what happens after that. But hey. It's not, it's not complicated. Everyone is looking for a, what's the secret to what you're doing? You know what the secret is? secret is there's no secret yep there you go you know some people might even raise their prices in a situation like this <laughs> there's no there's no secret the yeah. secret is you know do the right thing you know just be honorable do the right thing be truthful and you'll be fine i agree all right, we're heading into overtime here. Really like overtime, ask you some special questions. First of all, number one, for all of our listeners, we always like to share best practice here, and I always like to talk about habits, constructive, healthy habits. Do you have a habit that you do? Uh, it could be with your family, it could be by yourself, on a daily, weekly basis that we could learn from. A habit. Well, um, I make it, I make, uh, I, I think, I really, I really, really try to pride myself on being an honorable guy all the time, being truthful and being and being honorable. Um, I don't know if it's a habit. It's just it's just the way I it's just the way I conduct myself on a, on a regular basis. There is so much horse and so much bullshit you got to deal with all the time that if you can just conduct yourself in an honorable way every day, every moment, every situation you come in, conduct yourself in an honorable way, and try to and try to think what's not what's best for you. It's what's best for you know, the, the situation. And, and you, come, you come in contact with it all the time. Yep. People are selfish. People are selfish by nature. But if you kind of divorce that, kind of divorce that from your, from, your, from your life and try to just do the honorable thing every day, it gives you, it, it, for me, it gives me, it gives me a state of really comfort and well-being that, you know, it, it might have, it didn't help me. It didn't work. It was the right thing to do. You know, it's like in the Spike from the Spike Lee movie, do the right thing. It's yeah. hard. It's really hard. It's an effort. It's really a struggle every day to do the right thing. And I really try to pride myself on the right thing. Besides having a juice every morning, I'm very into, you know, I, I, I make, I make and, and for my son also, he doesn't like him, but I, every morning we have a fresh vegetable and fruit. We, we, we have a juicer at home, and I'm really passionate about that. Having fresh vegetables and fresh fruit every day. You know, and just starting off the day with a good, with a good kale, carrot, apple, banana, orange juice. Oh, sounds delicious. We'll make, uh, don't no. worry, your son will come around. 
<laughs> hey, if he doesn't want it, send it this way. I'll I'll take your efforts every day for putting together oh, a nice right. juice. Well, I, have, I, have, I got this book. It's called The Big Book of Juices. And it's got like a, uh, 500 different juices. And, you know, whatever, whatever seasonable, I make a juice. And I go, just, just drink it, okay? Just shut up and drink it, okay? It's good for you. <laughs> exactly. Kids, you ask too many questions. Just do it. Yeah, just um, don't just drink. Absolutely just drink love it. it. Well, I think you'll it's like this boy. question here. This question is, I just hand you a baseball bat, put you in a major league uniform. We're going back in the day. You're playing for the Giants. I don't even know if there was loudspeakers and music. You know, there's the organ back then. But we're just going to go right into, as you know, there's a walk-up song with every batter these days. What is your walk-up song as you approach the plate to face that pitcher, Paul? Because you got to get in the right mindset. Oh, God, that's a, that's a, that's a tough question. <laughs> well, hey, some of these players spend weeks thinking about this, so oh, I mean, I'm I, giving I, you at I least 10 seconds to answer it. Yeah, oh, my God. What, what would be my song coming up to bat? Uh, the only song I, I, can, I can think of coming is like, I love the Beatles song, Here Comes the Sun. Nice. I guess they would play Here Comes the Sun. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know what that. <laughs> I don't know what that means. Hey. But that song. Whenever I heard that song, it always kind of energized me. There you go. But here comes the sun. Oh, it got to be a rock song. See, I don't like rap, so it wouldn't be a rap song. Yeah, It'd be a rock song or something. Yeah. I, God, now I'm going to regret giving that answer. Nah, it's all right. It's I'm all right. Call, I'm going to call you back another day. Can, can I change that answer and give you a different answer? <laughs> that's, that's really not. That's great. But it's like, um, and Up on the Roof by the Drifters also is an exciting song, like a song. But I guess coming to bad, it would probably be uh, Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles. There you go. Fantastic. But that's not really an exciting song, though, you know? Well, as long as it means something to you, that's all that matters. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, all right, how about his favorite sports movie? Uh, <laughs> you know what my favorite sports movie is? The original, um, what was that movie um, um, with 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 uh, Burt Reynolds and he's in prison and the um, oh, yeah. uh, what what was the name of that uh, movie again? I can't I'll, think of it now. I'll, I'll make it sound good when we edit it, but uh, just go along with it. Too. <laughs> I, I I'm forgetting. I, I'm forgetting. You know, I and, I and I just saw the remake with Adam Sandler and it wasn't it wasn't really that it wasn't really that good. No, it's horrible. But that movie that to me that's my favorite that's my favorite sports movie. Good, we'll check that so out. There's we'll a lot of. Yeah, yeah, and I didn't, see, I didn't see. I, I hear that the um, Jackie Robinson movie is really good. Also, I, did, I didn't, I didn't see that. Yep, yep, that's a wonderful but, movie. Uh, I really, I really think, like that. Uh, I think kind of, I, I'm drawing a complete blank. But that's that's my that's like my favorite sports movie. Well, no worries, we'll figure it out and uh, get it right up there on the show notes and make sure everybody sees it because it is a great movie. Now, any books that you're reading right now, you could recommend to Who Are You Nation. You know, I've been reading a lot of political uh, political thrillers. This guy Brad Thor, who um, writes these political thrillers, that kind of can't put down. It's, it's very contemporary. It's, it's about um, um, you know, a, not, not a renegade, a a, a a CIA agent to uh, CIA or, or an FBI CIA agent who works for a. They do all the work that the, that they, they they contract with the CIA, and it has to do with a lot of political thrillers. Has to do with a lot with. Um, What's going on in the world now with with the jihad and terrorism and stuff like that? I love I, I you know history goes hand in hand with politics and the current events. I'm very into current events. This is really this is really a a a, a lone ranger kind of guy who um, who uh, you know who really you know goes after the bad guys. And I, I my wife handed it over. My wife gave me the book. Said I think you'll like this. And it's kind of one of those things that you can't put down. It's such, and I'm not even a political thriller because usually I read nonfiction. I like to read biographies 
by famous people. Yep. So this was kind of, I said, I'm not interested. I don't like political thrillers, but from page one, I couldn't put it down. And I've since read about five of his books. And now I said, well, it's getting in the way of getting my work done because I can't, <laughs> uh, you know, I, I, I can't just read all day. I got to, you know, I got to put work down. But That's right. Moderation. I would, I would moderation, Paul. Yeah, you know, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Everything in moderation. I really recommend uh, this guy, Brad Thor. He's kind of, if I wasn't really a Robert Ludlum fan, but this guy's supposed to be the next Robert Ludlum. Great. Great. Did you uh, read any Robert Ludlum? I've read a little in the day. Yeah. I can't say it's been recent reading. I've been very yeah. into sort of my own little business books that uh, yeah. attract me. But yeah, no, all, all of that is, is great stuff and opens up the mind and keeps you focused on other things. And it's always a learning experience. So Yeah. I so I would great. really, if anyone is interested in, in, in political thrillers, and, what, and it's very contemporary and very relevant to what's going on today with terrorism. And um, and he's he's just he's just like an American hero. Yeah, uh, I really recommend his Brad Thor. Great. Now you're the host of this show. You get to choose one guest only for your first episode, Life Lessons of Sports. Who are you inviting onto the show, Paul? You know who you know who I would invite on. I would invite on Bill Bradley, yeah. who played for the Knicks and he was a senator from New Jersey. I think I you know, I read his biography. I've followed his career. I think he's got a I think he's got a really a lot to say about. Sports and how sports relates to life, and how life rel- and, 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 and how the lessons you learn can be beneficial. And um, and he's kind of a low key kind of guy. I've never met him. I've only known about and read about him. But I would have Bill Bradley on, the ex senator from New Jersey. Great, fantastic. How about a charity or foundation that you'd like to acknowledge? One you support or you just enjoy personally? Pug Rescue. Pug Rescue. Pug rescue, yes. Like my it. wife is uh, my wife is an animal lover, and we have four pugs that we've rescued. Um, I'm really I'm I'm really a strong advocate for um, for for, an, for you know to, to help the animals because you know they get abused, they get thrown away, kicked to the side, and yeah. um, these people they're really wonderful people. They just they just take in all these abandoned pugs, and they're so cute. Yeah. It's a little bitty dogs. <laughs> but anyone any anyone who work anyone who works to help, I mean. Every every charitable every charitable uh, every charitable event every charitable company they're all relevant and worthwhile. But I just have an affinity for animals. I I, I love the animals. I, I love particularly these dogs, and uh, we 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 support them. And you know they're always they, they're always out of money. They're yeah. always out of money, and I always try to support them. Great. So well, most and uh, yeah. that's that's like the charitable event that that's near and dear to me. Great, great. Well, heck, you almost have a starting lineup of pugs in your household there for, for basketball. I get, I, get, so. I, get, I get four of them, and one's dumber than the next. <laughs> well. But the point is, it, it's like, it doesn't matter because no matter what, they're always so happy to see you and so grateful for everything you do. And I got two of them sleeping right here. That's all that matters. That's all that matters. So they're all abandoned. They just, they just like abandon. They just find them on the side of the road. They get them out of the, they're about to be you know, put down and, yeah, it's just it's just so sad. I mean, how could how could you just abandon a dog, just put him on the side of the road, just leave him there? I mean, how, how cruel can you be? Agreed, agreed. And then they call my wife and go, "We have another one." I'm going, "Okay, please <laughs> lose my number. I can't take anymore. I got actually we got four and another another dog, kind of a mutt that." Um, my son adopted, so we got five dogs here in my house. Well, there you go, four four away from uh, entering Yankee Stadium. You're good to go. Yeah, uh, exactly. How can we connect with you, Paul? I know you mentioned earlier your website, but if you let us know, how can we connect with you? 
you can call me up on the phone. Here's my number. I give you my number. Love it. Let's and do it. Email me. I'm 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 open to anyone who wants it. I I I don't have a secretary. I answer my own phone. I don't have a I don't have a service. I always answer my own phone. Anyone who wants to call me, I'm I'm extremely accessible. Anyone who says they can't get a hold of me, you know, is making a mistake. My email is paul at icoachconnect.com, and my phone number is seven six zero six eight five four one zero four. And if someone leaves a message, I'm really big on returning calls. Whoever it is, I will return your call within 24 hours. I will never, ever not return a call or, or never not return an email. I'm a big stickler on that. I, I, I don't believe in people. The last time you make calls, people don't call you back. They don't email you back. I think that's just bad manners. No matter what it is, no matter who it is, they, everyone deserves a response to their call or their email. Uh, well, we will Period. put that up there in your show notes, and you definitely walk the talk here. So thank you for sharing that. Paul, I do have one last question for you, but before I do, I want to say... Another one? Huh? Another question? Another question. Yeah. We're ready. Oh, no. Just Yeah, this is my favorite one, so you better be ready. Oh. <laughs> Paul, I just want to say it's been an honor and a privilege to speak with you today. I know our listeners are already well aware, but they can check out our website, whoareyousports.com, listen to this interview again, and find the links to everything we've spoken about, the books, resources, your motivational quote, contact information, and the Pug Foundation you support. So, Paul, I want to congratulate you. You've officially been inducted into Who Are You Nation, and I want to welcome you to the team. Am I going to get a certificate? No, but you get a pair of eye black, and that eye black is to be in the mail soon, shortly to you, and it has the Who Are You Sports logo on it, and I'm going to ask you to take a picture of yourself to show us what your game face is. Oh, my God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's right. Get. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, get yeah. I would rather have a certificate, something I can hang on my wall. <laughs> well, I'll send, I'll put a couple in there, there, and you can, uh, okay. you can put some of those on the wall. How about that? So, okay, okay. listen, I did say I had one last question. I ask all my guests this question. Here's where we go behind the scenes, inside the locker room, pull back the curtain, have a seat, and just have one last story. Do you mind opening the doors and letting us know one more story about who Paul is? <laughs> Um, the advice that I gave Joe Namath uh, helped him help him throughout his career. Who are you, Nation? Our guest is ready to go inside the locker room. Are you? Gain exclusive access to the story as well as those from all of our guests. Visit whoareyousports.com where there is a page dedicated especially for all of our listeners at Who Are You Nation. Until next time, please remember both in sports and in life that it's not all about the scoreboard so much as it is about our dedication to becoming a better teammate, healthier person, and adopting an efforts over results mindset.